God, we thank you for your holy scriptures that give us guidance in every area of life. We pray that you would give us wisdom in the next moments as we reflect upon your word. We pray that your Holy Spirit would make things clear to us and that we would go from this place with new hope and new strength. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Since January, we have been in our series Genesis to Revelation. So the plan is that we started with Genesis in January and we will finish in Revelation in December. And the fun thing for me in this is to be able to dig deep into the Old Testament because oftentimes I'm drawn to the New Testament. That's where my, my training has been in. That's the, a lot of my focus. And as a Christian pastor, I love to preach about Jesus. But it has also been nice for us to get into the Old Testament and to see all of the background that was taking place, the things that the New Testament assumes. Because the Old Testament, for Jesus and the Apostles, was the Bible. If you ask them about the Bible or the Scriptures, they would think only of what we consider the Old Testament. And when you look at the Gospels, Jesus was continually quoting from the Old Testament. Uh, When you look at Paul's letters, he's quoting from the Old Testament. He's drawing from these stories, from these prophecies, from these teachings to make things applicable for their day. So I've been enjoying it, but at the same time, I've felt in the the last number of weeks that there has been the same kind of theme coming up over and over again, and that is uh, people are going through a difficult time and the passage is speaking hope to that, giving advice on, on how we can respond when things are very difficult. And I, I, as I've been preparing my messages and that theme kept coming up, I thought, what is going on here? Is this just my own pet theme that I am pushing into the passage that I just happen to be uh, concerned about the, the problem of suffering, uh, that it's a subject that I'm interested in, and so I'm reading that into every passage. Is that what's going on? And so I, I took some time just to, to step back and to, to ask myself that, to check my, my own bias to see what the, the Old Testament is saying. And as I did that, I realized that much of the Old Testament is exactly that. It is looking at life in a, uh, a difficult time and reflecting upon where God is and what we are supposed to do when things go wrong. And so we see that through Genesis. Uh, uh, Genesis is uh, telling the story, everything is going wrong, and yet somehow God is bringing something out of it. Uh, we see the, the story of Moses. Uh, the people of Israel are enslaved in Egypt. And it's the story of God working in their difficulty. We see the the people in the wilderness and how God is there for them. Uh, Coming into the promised land, uh, it is really hard, but God is there and they can trust upon God. 
David comes about, and uh, he has a rough life. He writes his psalms, and the psalms continually are, Oh God, life is so hard, but I'm going to continue to believe in you. And uh, his kingdom uh, had some good times, and then had some bad times. And then it continued on with Solomon and all the other kings. And then we get to where we are in the history of Israel and Judah now uh, with Isaiah, where they are being uh, surrounded by enemy armies. And it's that same theme. There they are. They're in a difficult time. And they're calling out, God, have you forsaken us? Uh, Are we uh, out of your will? What is going on? And so I don't think that it is just me looking into this. That just happens to be the theme of much of the Old Testament. So this is not the last time that we're going to be looking at something like this. But Isaiah was writing for a specific context, and he was living in Judah, which was the southern kingdom after the two kingdoms split, and they were struggling. There were foreign powers around them who were threatening them. They were uh, fearing that they would lose their freedom, that uh, they would go into slavery, that they would be exiled, that all kinds of of bad things would happen. Uh, They looked back to times where they thought that maybe things were much better, and things were looking grim. And people were looking to Isaiah, the great prophet, to give them some hope. And the kind of hope that he gave them perhaps was not what they were actually looking for, but that's what we're going to take a look at. Instead of explaining uh, how everything was going to change and everything was going to be okay, I see Isaiah, in this passage in particular, uh, telling the people to ask three questions. And we're going to look at each of these three questions. So the first question that Isaiah wants the people to ask is, Who is God? Who is he? Now, in the ancient world, they would have been familiar with all kinds of different pagan gods. People didn't just talk about the God of Israel. There was lots of gods. All of the nations around them had their own gods. In fact, uh, all of those nations had multiple gods. Uh, Israel was alone in having just one god. And they would have been familiar with the stories of these gods. And these stories had to do with uh, how these gods were born, uh, how they may have had a, a family, how they took a spouse and may have had children, uh, how they uh, interacted with other gods, how they had warfare against each other, sometimes that they had warfare, warfare against humans, and so on. There was all kinds of detailed mythologies uh, about where these gods were, were coming from. But the, the God of the Bible was different. We actually don't have anything like that. There's no mythology that goes along with the God of Israel. We have nothing in comparison to these, these pagan myths that existed around them. There's no story about how the God of Israel came about or anything like that. And that is what sets the God of Israel apart. And so when we ask... Who is this God? The one way that Isaiah answers this is that he is the creator God. And this is very unique because this is not what the people around them would think of when they thought of their gods. 
uh, most of the gods that they worship were not a creator god. That the, the world had been created before, and these gods just happened to find themselves on the same planet that humans were on, and they were dealing with whatever was going on on that planet. They were not the ones responsible for that planet. If they did have a creator god, that creator god might have already died, or that creator god was uh, completely impersonal, and it was no one that anyone would ever have a relationship with. Things were always left to these, these other gods. But Isaiah is reminding them that that's not the case. We worship the creator God, the God who's responsible for creation. He was not created. He did not come from another God. He has always existed, and he brought this creation about. Now, this is very important for people who are going through a difficult time because our difficulties happen within creation. It happens within the physical space that we're around. So it could be because of uh, other nations that uh, physically exist uh, in the world. Uh, it could be because of natural disasters that are taking place. It could because, be because of diseases or, or whatever. But they are things that happen in the real world. And we are looking to a God who uh, is not just trapped in the same creation that they had no control over, but rather we are looking to the God who is responsible for that creation. And so that's important. And the other thing he says about this God is that he is a God who has an understanding that is beyond us. So basically he is a wise God, an all-wise God. And again, that's unique in the ancient world, because these other gods, uh, they didn't have full knowledge. They didn't have full wisdom. In fact, there's all kinds of stories about them being tricked. They're being tricked by other gods. Sometimes even humans were able to trick the gods into doing their will. All of these kind of things would happen. But that is not the God of Israel. The God of Israel is an all-wise God. Again, so important when we're going through a difficult time, because much of the pain, the emotional pain, that goes with being in, in a, a time of despair is not just the, the actual circumstances, but it's that sense of unknown. What is things going to be like? What, how is this all going to work out? There, there's like a fog all around us. We don't know what's going on. We just wish we had the answers. And the God of Israel, the God of the Bible, is the one who has the answers. He has all wisdom. So that's who God is. Now, that's good that God is that. But just because God is that God doesn't necessarily mean that that is going to help us. Uh, that just simply describes who the God is who is out there. For example, uh, you may be going through a difficult time uh, financially. There are some very rich people out in the world who have all of the resources that you could possibly need to help you get off your feet. But just because they have those resources doesn't mean that's going to help you. Uh, they probably are not even aware that you live. And uh, I'm sure that many of the people who are, are filthy rich know lots of people uh, who are poor, but are not necessarily going to be giving all of their wealth away to, to change that. Uh, one of the things that I've heard a lot about is in terms of, of uh, peacekeeping missions that have taken place around the world. And uh, perhaps you remember the genocide that took place in Rwanda. And there were UN troops, including Canadian troops, that were there during the genocide who 
had the physical power to step in and maybe not to prevent the genocide, but to uh, save some lives. And they were ordered not to do that. The, the rules of engagement prevented them from interfering, that all they could do is observe. And similar things happened uh, in the former Yugoslavia. I've heard stories there of Canadian troops and other UN troops who were there and would observe as uh, one side would be killing innocent civilians of the other side and the troops could only watch. They could not intervene. So just because there is a God out there who has the ability to help doesn't mean that he is going to. But that is the second question that Isaiah is asking. What does God do? What can we expect from this God? Well, basically what he focuses on is that this is a God who gives strength to the weak. That is the emphasis over and over again. Not the changing of circumstances. We might want that. We might want a God who we could just call and say, okay, uh, God, something bad has happened. I am going to put my official prayer in, and I expect those uh, circumstances to change completely now. I want it now. This is it. I've put my order in, and I expect it to take place. But that is not usually what happens. Now, I have heard many uh, answers to prayer. I've experienced many answers to prayer where circumstances have changed. But I wouldn't say that that is the usual thing. Over and over again, it is more the giving of strength. And our own experience has been as uh, parents of of children with autism. When we look at uh, our experience there, Uh, we've had people who uh, came to us, some of our Christian friends, who said, well, why don't you just tell God to take their autism away, and then you're fine. And uh, it it doesn't work like that. But that's not to say that God abandoned us. I I never had a sense that God abandoned us in that. We found that God gave us strength. So there are times now where we'll look back at the way things were, say, uh, 10 years ago or, or even longer, And we look back and think, how did we survive that? Like, that is beyond what we know we have as parents. And yet, God was with us. He was the one who gave us the strength to do that. He gave us the encouragement. Now, he does that through many different ways. Sometimes it's just supernaturally filling you with strength. Sometimes it's bringing other Christians and and non-Christians into uh, your life uh, as agents of strength and encouragement. It happens in all kinds of different ways. But God never abandoned. He always was there to bring strength, to help in some way. Not changing the circumstances. Our children still have autism, but God has been there for us. You know, there was many times that people would come to us, and and it would drive us crazy that they would come and they would uh, call us uh, super parents, that we are these incredible super parents. And it would bother us, uh, not because we had this false sense of humility, but because we knew what our limitations were. And we knew that we had gone past those limitations and there was a supernatural God who had brought us from one spot to the next and that it wasn't because of us, but rather it was because of God. So that's the second question we have to ask. What what does God do? But it's not just left there. There's a third question we need to ask and that is what does God expect from us? Uh, we might think that uh, we have no, no role in this at all. All it is is about God. God will step in, God will provide, and we are just passive. But we are not passive. God has an expectation for us. And here's the thing. 
Uh, it is both the easiest and the most difficult thing for us to do. Uh, it's easy in some ways because God does all the heavy lifting, according to this passage. It is God who is the God of creation, the God who gives strength, the God who is there to provide. He is doing all the work, it seems. But it is hard because the expectation is we are to wait upon the Lord. To wait upon the Lord. Have you ever been in a hard time and someone has just come to you and said, you know, I know it's hard, but just wait upon the Lord. And it's absolutely true. It's what we're supposed to do. But when you're hearing it, it sounds so difficult. What do you mean? How am I supposed to do that? When I know that I have this bill that I have to pay, when I know that I am facing this diagnosis, uh, when I know that this loved one is about to die, what are you saying that I'm supposed to wait upon the Lord? But that is indeed what we are supposed to do. We are to wait upon the Lord. Uh, it, it is not completely passive. It's, it's about actively putting our trust in God, really believing that he is going to be there and to be present. And it also means uh, not trying to take over. Uh, last night at uh, Amanda's uh, a message in uh, the Saturday Chapel, uh, she gave a quote by Richard Rohr, and he was saying that the, uh, the opposite of faith is not doubt, the opposite of faith is control. And I think that fits very well with what we're looking at in this passage. When we're in a difficult time, our immediate response is, what can I do to fix it? And of course, we should use our wisdom and, and uh, the resources that God gives us. But we know when we're in a situation when we're beyond that. And if we're still at that point trying to rely upon our own strength, trying to take control over the entire situation, it is never going to work. We are just going to get more frustrated and more frustrated and more frustrated. We hit a point where we realize we need to wait upon the Lord. I'm not going to stand here and tell you that it is really easy to do. It is not easy to do, but it is the right way. It is the only way to get through. The Old Testament, as well as the New Testament, as well as our own experience, tell us that we are going to go through difficult times. And uh, in a room with this many people, I know that there are people here who are going through hard times. Uh, Either it's happening to you personally, or you're witnessing it happening to your friends or to your family, and you're feeling kind of overwhelmed right now with all of the things that are happening uh, you're not in the exact situation of Isaiah where there are enemy armies around threatening to tear down the walls and to exile you into a, another land. But you can, you can identify with that. You feel like you are surrounded with difficult circumstances. I want you to ask these three questions. Even if it's, it's hard to ask these questions, I want you to ask them. First of all, who is God? Who is the God that you worship, the God that you believe exists. What does this God do? It's one thing that he is able to do things, but what do we really believe that he will do? Do we believe he's the God who will always change everything and make everything comfortable every time we ask? Do we believe he is the God who completely ignores us and has no interest in anything that's going on? Or is he the God who gives strength to the weak? 
that he will help us to mount up on wings like eagles. Is that the God? Is that what God does? And finally, what does God expect us to do? And Isaiah gives us the easy and the hard answer. Wait upon the Lord. Wait upon the Lord. Even when things look the most difficult, even like even when it's the time where you think it's getting to the point where it's too late for any assistance to come, God will be there. And if you think that's hard, I want to encourage you that people have been struggling with this for thousands of years. And yet, each time, those who have waited upon the Lord have found that God has been there. God has been the one to give strength, to give encouragement, and to give peace. Let us pray. God, we thank you for who you are. We thank you for what you do. God, help us to wait upon you. Lord, I think about the people in this building right now, especially those who are going through the most difficult of times, the ones who are really struggling with that call to wait upon the Lord. I pray that you would be there and give strength, give wisdom, encouragement, surround people with others who will be your presence in their lives. Strengthen our faith when it is weak and help us to mount up on those wings. In Jesus' name, amen.